0: Hi everyone, it's really great to welcome you to CBC Online today. My name is Ellen Wilde, I'm a minister here at Chichester Baptist Church and it's great to have you connecting with us today. We are in week five in our series Words of Hope. We hope that you've been enjoying our daily readings and reflections so far. And we've thought about the words fulfillment, kingdom, cross and grace. And today we're thinking about the word Covenant. Now before I start talking a bit more about covenant I want to just mention something about two other words and these words are uncertainty and control. Two words which in this season of coronavirus might be more familiar to us than they might have been before. I wonder what kind of person you are on the I like to be in control scale. If there was a scale of one to ten where would you find yourself? Would you be At one to three, are you really relaxed and chilled out? You don't need to plan. You're really adaptable and not bothered by things cropping up unexpectedly. Maybe you would say you're more kind of four to six. Perhaps you don't find uncertainty easy, but you don't mind too much not knowing what's going on. Perhaps you cope pretty well. Or maybe you are seven to 10. You like a plan and you feel much more secure when you're in control. And when things are out of your control, you worry and that's really unnerving. I wonder where you would say you were. I imagine many of us, myself included, are up this end, up the seven to 10 end, I know that I am. I like a plan. My life feels ordered and safe when I know where I am and what I'm doing. Feeling out of control is incredibly unnerving. It's not a nice feeling. We in the West have got a very low tolerance for uncertainty and for not being in control. Our whole culture and worldview shapes us. We're used to be able to planning for our future. We think we have a right to that, to at least feeling vaguely able to shape our lives and what we want. For most of us, we haven't made peace with uncertainty. And what the coronavirus pandemic has done is it's thrown everything up in the air for us all. On March the 15th I stood here on this stage in our church building where I am right now and I shared a message as I often did on Sundays to a busy full church and little did I know that that would be the last live message in the building for many many months. The next day we knew that we would have to close our building and that a full lockdown was to be ordered really soon. In those weeks, everything about your life and my life has been thrown up in the air. Things that previously we had an element of control over, all of a sudden, we don't. With very little warning, in the mix was concern for so many of us about becoming ill, uncertainty about jobs and insecurity, not being able to see family and grandchildren and friends, big life events were cancelled, lots of us were in isolation, anything that was fun seemed to dissipate into the ether. And all of that replaced with uncertainty and no sense of control over it all. I remember thinking in those early weeks that what it felt like to me was that someone had taken the filing cabinet of my life, pulled out all the drawers and just chucked all the papers in the air. And I've been waiting to see where they settle and land ever since. For the last seven months, uncertainty has become a constant companion to us. And with the latest spike in infections and new tiers of restrictions announced, it feels like uncertainty is here to stay for a while. Why do I start with this today? Well, I think that this week's word of hope, this word covenant, this timeless word that stretches back to the earliest days of our Bibles, I think this word speaks right into where we are today. This word covenant speaks a word of hope into this season and it speaks to the hearts of those who are struggling with uncertainty and with a lack of control and I want to think about what that might mean and why that might be true. Covenants are one of the most important themes in the Bible because they act like a kind of backbone to our faith story. Our whole redemptive story is the people of God, the story of God redeeming and rescuing his people through Jesus. All of that is built right from the Old Testament on this idea of covenant. Another word for covenant is an agreement or a partnership. It's binding and it's permanent. I want to show you the beginning of a short clip which helps to explain what the Bible means by covenant and how God chooses to partner with us. It's only short about a minute long. Have a look at this.
1: If you've been around Christians, you've probably heard of the idea of having a personal relationship with God, which could mean different things in the Bible, like having God as a friend or your father or maybe your teacher. But there is one particular way that the Bible talks about this relationship that you find all over. But strangely we do not talk about it that much and that is the idea of a partnership with God. A partnership like working alongside someone to accomplish a goal together. Right and this is actually what you see at the beginning of the Bible. God creates this good world full of all of this potential and then God appoints these unique creatures, humans, as his partners in bringing more and more goodness out of all that potential. But the humans don't want to partner with God. They rebel and try to create a world on their own terms. And so this broken partnership is the Bible's explanation for why we're stuck in a world of corruption and injustice and the tragedy of death. It's not like there's just one or two humans who have bailed on this relationship. In the story of the Bible, everyone has abandoned the partnership with God. So what God does is select a smaller group of people out of the many. And he makes a new partnership with them called a covenant. And in a covenant, God makes promises and then in exchange asks his partner to fulfill certain commitments. And the purpose of all of this is to somehow use this covenant relationship to renew his partnership with everybody.
0: So God has chosen to partner with his people in order to bring about his purposes. From Genesis onward, God enters into one covenant after another, one agreement, one partnership after another with various humans in order to rescue his world. God's rescue plan comes via covenants. And there are four key times in the Old Testament, I just want to explain to you, where God initiates a covenant with someone. And these build on each other towards a new covenant with the coming of Jesus, the covenant that we enjoy as his people today. After the initial covenant and commitment to Adam and Eve back in Genesis, the first key covenant is with Noah God enters an agreement with Noah, a promise, and he promises him that despite humanity's evil, he will never destroy them again. He says in Genesis chapter eight, God said to Noah and his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock and all the wild animals, all that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth, I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And you will know what the sign of that covenant was, a sign of that promise. It was a rainbow, a reminder of God's covenant promise. So that first key covenant was with Noah and the next key covenant was with Abraham God promises Abraham, or Abram as he was known at first, that he would make him a great nation with many, many descendants, that they would inherit a a promised piece of land in Canaan. And the promise, the covenant was that God would bless all of humanity through this one man's family. He says in uh, Genesis chapter 17, it says, Abram fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. To be your God and the God of your descendants after you. So we've got Noah and we've got Abraham. And then the next bit of the the backbone of our faith story is the covenant with Israel. Israel. God rescues Israel from slavery in Egypt and he promises to make them his own treasured possession. He says you're going to be a holy nation. You're going to be a set-apart nation for me. Exodus 19 verse 5 God says now if you fully obey me and keep my covenant then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Noah, Abraham, Israel, Israel, And then there's the Davidic covenant, the covenant with David. God establishes David as king over Israel and promises to make his name great. He says, David, I'll give you a royal kingdom in which the promises that I've made to Abraham and Israel will be fulfilled through your line. In Psalm 89, uh, the psalmist says to God, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant, I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. Perhaps you can see this incredible redemptive story taking shape, how the covenants progressively build on one another, forming this backbone to our redemptive storyline. I love the coherence of the Bible and the way the narrative builds through for us. God preserved the world through Noah, He initiated redemption through Abraham. He formed this special set-apart holy people through Israel. And he promised a king through David to come. Sometimes marriage is used as an illustration of this idea of covenant. We sometimes talk about the covenant of marriage. Now, I know that we're not all married, and you certainly don't have to be married to understand this, but it helps us to understand the concept of covenant as being something relational, which is so important for us as we think about the new covenant in Jesus. I am married, and I, I wear this ring, and it's a sign of the covenant that I've entered into. And of course, I've entered it willingly. I've made a binding legal commitment, but I've made that commitment because of love and relationship. God's covenant with us is relational. That's what he wanted, that's what we are created for. But there was a problem for the people of God. The people of God, God's covenant people, kept breaking the covenants. They failed to keep God's promises. They broke their promises. And so we start to hear about a new covenant that will come. The promise of an everlasting covenant brought to us by Jesus that can't be broken. This is what the prophet Jeremiah was saying was coming. Have a look at these verses if you've got a Bible open. They're just wonderful. I'm going to look at them just for a few minutes together. Jeremiah 31. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. No longer will they teach their neighbour or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. It's incredible words from Jeremiah, this prophet pointing towards Jesus, pointing towards this Messiah to come, a new covenant that was to come to fulfil the law, to bring to fruition the promises of God. God fulfilled all of his covenantal promises through Jesus. With each covenant, God's promises and plans to save the world become clearer and clearer until we finally see that redemption that can only come through King Jesus and through a relationship, a binding commitment relationship with him. During the Words of Hope Reflections this week, uh, Roger's word for the day early on in the week was about this passage. And he used a brilliant illustration, I thought, of what Jeremiah is getting at here. You may well have seen this, but I think it really deserves another airing. Take a look at this.
2: Hello, can I help you? Hello, is that Mr Hubert? Speaking. Speaking. Good morning, Mr. Hubert. It's Jeff Race from Heavenly Mobile, your mobile phone provider.
1: Oh dear, this isn't about my debt, is it? I I really am trying to pay it off. I really am. No, Mr.
2: Hubert, it's not that.
1: I haven't exceeded my data allowance, have I? I've spent a fortune on data. This is a nightmare.
2: No, Mr. Hubert, it's not that either. We've been planning for a while to change the nature of your contract and I just wanted to bring you the good news of the revised Terms and Conditions.
1: New contract? I'm not sure I like the
2: sound of that. The new contract is very generous Mr Hubert. For starters we're giving you unlimited minutes and unlimited data. Sorry
1: but there's no way I'm going to be able to afford unlimited minutes and
2: data. Let me finish explaining sir. The offer is for unlimited minutes and unlimited data at no charge.
1: No charge? That's insane. Why would you offer unlimited minutes and data
2: at no charge? Come on, what's the catch? There's no catch. It's just that our customers have been unable to keep to the terms and conditions of the current contractual arrangements without incurring extra charges each month. And we'd really like them to benefit from the extraordinary service that Heavenly Mobile provides.
1: Well if that's true then that's absolutely amazing. Um, What about my existing debt? How long do I get to pay that off?
2: That's another good piece of news Mr Hubert. Under the new contract all of your debts are cancelled. Actually they're completely expunged from our records. We'll have no record of you ever being in debt.
1: Well that's incredible. That sounds too good to be true. Um, I'd love to sign up for this new contract, Uh, Mr. G. Race. Okay, that's great. Thanks very much for calling. Bye.
0: A call from Mr. G. Race from Heavenly Mobile. This is what Jeremiah is talking about in our passage today. Changing the nature of the contract. Revised terms and conditions because people couldn't keep to the existing conditions. Existing debt completely paid off, all at no charge. Seems too good to be true. God promises through the prophet Jeremiah a new agreement. He says there's a new contract, a new covenant has been drawn up. And he says what that new agreement is, verse 33 in our passage, to put the law in our minds and write it on our hearts, that he will be our God and we will be his people, that we will know him and that he will forgive. This is a timeless promise and truth. This new covenant can be ours, free to accept, to enter into that relationship and to know that truth in our lives. And it's true for us every single day. Many of us know and have a relationship with Jesus. We can be grateful again for the new covenant. And if you don't have that, you can. Free gift of love and forgiveness. The sign of it, not a ring like in marriage, but the blood of Jesus, a sign of the new covenant, to know his death and resurrection giving us life. We can remember and be grateful all the time for this new covenant which gives us life. But in this season that we are currently in, I think this can be a renewed word of hope and now word of hope again for us today, circling back to where we began. The agreement and promise isn't that God will lead us out of uncertainty or give us back a sense of control over our lives. That's not the agreement. The agreement is Jeremiah 31:33 that he is our God, that we are his and that we can know him. The desire to be in control is an issue, I think, that is underneath so many other issues that can hamper our spiritual growth and derail our discipleship and can stop us becoming people of love, joy and peace that God wants us to be. That desperate desire that I have and others have to try and control, to be in control of our lives and our outcomes. We don't know what will happen in this next season and we're not promised answers or safety or security but we are promised God's presence. We do have God's covenant promise that's permanent, his commitment to us, that he's agreed and that he won't go back on. The new covenant in Jesus says that we can live our lives with a looser grip on our plans and on the outcome of our plans, because he is our God and he's written his words of life on our hearts. My prayer is that God would help me and help us Make peace with the inevitable uncertainty of life and in this season especially by reminding us again today of his covenant commitment to you and to me. God doesn't say I will sort this out neatly for you, I will give you your control back and tell you the plan. He doesn't take away uncertainty. He says I have promised, he says I have made an agreement, I am with you, you can know me, the freedom, the grace, the forgiveness I bring and I won't go back on that commitment that I've made. Let's pray together. And as we pray, let's be thankful for this new covenant that we have because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for life into eternity, for hope and security in you. And we pray that we would hold loosely our earthly plans and desires, and that you would help us live in this season of uncertainty, trusting you because you've made a promise to us. Thank you that you are our God and that we can know you today. And I pray you would write that on our hearts and our minds. Amen. Amen. God bless you all.